Well, good morning, Noblesville First. I am so grateful to join you on this rainy Sunday morning in the house of our God who is worthy of our praise and our worship. If I haven't met you yet, I'm Pastor Nicole, the new senior pastor here. It is my 14th day on the job. I have not been kicked out yet. Amen. I think that deserves some applause. But I'm excited to share with you a couple of ways that you can stay connected and plug into ministry here at Noblesville First. The first way uh, is getting to know one another better through some meet and greets. Our congregation has planned several ways that we can connect. You all obviously need to teach me about a love for football and faith and other things. So I hope you will go to our website and sign up to join me. I look forward to getting to know each of you and your stories. I also want to invite you to three ways that you can be in service and in relationship uh, over the next several weeks. The first is Mums for Mission. Somebody say Mums. Mums. So we put those outside of our houses, all around uh, our living rooms when the fall season comes. But this is special because we're not just purchasing mums. They will in turn fundraise two vital missions happening right here. The first is Mission Guatemala, which many of you are familiar with, and the second is the Lucille Rains residence in downtown Indianapolis. Now, what some of you may not know is that the Lucille Rains residence is owned and operated by the United Methodist Women of Indiana. And it is a sober living facility for those who are recovering from substance abuse disorders. And so this fundraiser will help to refurbish their elevator. And much more importantly, keep it operational for people that need support and recovery. So we hope you will buy one mom, two moms, three moms, 75 moms, so that we can be in mission with these two organizations. The second way that you can plug in is our cookout and karaoke at Teeter Retreat and Farm on Saturday, August 27th from 5 to 8. Now get this, there will be a cornhole, a caricature artist, nine square, bag races, and more. They had me at cornhole, but there also will be corn hash, all the things corn. We hope that you will join us at that time as we connect with one another, and you may see someone embarrass themselves singing karaoke. So I really hope that you will be there. And the final way that you can connect is through our Teeter Farm to Table Dinner. Now, this fundraiser is Friday, September 9th, and it helps to benefit the food insecurity mission that the farm is in mission for in our community and throughout Hamilton County. And here's the thing. The more that we give at the farm-to-table dinner, the more tickets that we sell, the more food that, be, that can be given away to our community. Right now, Teeter has produced over 15,000 servings of food, and they are on track to meet their goal of 25,000. So we hope that, woohoo is right! So we hope that you will join us on Friday, September 9th, as we live into that mission. You can go to teeterorganicfarm.com or see April or Kim in our office to ask about tickets or sponsoring a table. Now we invite you to visit our website to also register your attendance. You can go to our Next Steps uh, graphic where you can give online, request prayer, and link to more opportunities to volunteer, serve, and connect. And if you are visiting for the first time today, whether that's in person or online, hey, how you doing out there? 
We want you to know that you are welcome in this place. We are so glad that you are here. We are doing cartwheels in the narthex. You just can't see us. And we hope that you will stay connected with us. Uh, please reach out to Pam Kaplinger. That's a name that you're going to want to know, who is our hospitality coordinator. She wants to connect with you and learn your story and all the ways that you can join in God's story here at Noblesville First. So now, with all of that said, let us continue in a spirit of worship as we center ourselves on a God whose love raises us up on eagle's wings. Good morning. Before we begin our call to worship, we light a light of Christ to unite all of us, whether we are here together or worshiping online. Welcome. 
Let's join together. Sing to the Lord a new song. We sing a song of peace and hope. Sing to the Lord a song of strength. Our strength is in the Lord of hosts. Sing to the Lord a song of joy. Our song is a song of service and faithfulness. Amen. I invite you to stand and let us sing together, Oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, you have called us here this morning to worship you and to praise you and to be in fellowship with one another. Bless our worship this morning. May it glorify you and may it fill us that we may be inspired and challenged to go out into the world to share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone else. This we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. It's great to see every single one of you. Blessings for me. Uh, This morning we'd like to share some concerns and additional thoughts with you. As a parish, we share our concerns for those among us, others around our communities, and still more around the world that are impoverished and in peril, suffering in matters of the spirit or with health or finances, loneliness, abuse, or hunger. Please keep them all in your prayers and then do whatever we can to help without hesitation as Jesus would. We also like to extend a reminder to everyone here about the celebration of life for Jerry Graham that will be held right here in the sanctuary this coming Saturday, August the 20th. 
The calling or the visitation is from 9.30 to 11.30, and the celebration of life is at 12 noon in the sanctuary again right here. Pastors Jill Moffitt and Pastors Mary Eileen Spence will our presiding clergy. Please join together in a call to prayer. God of majesty and mystery, we gather in the presence of that great cloud of witnesses who worshiped you in ages past. We unite with their praise as we listen for your voice and wait for your spirit to guide us. Holy One, we offer you all glory and honor, seeking to renew our commitment to serve you in this world that needs your healing touch. Amen. Please join us in a silent prayer and take to God what's in your heart this morning. And then I will follow with a pastoral prayer. And then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let's pray.
Loving God, our Father, mighty Jesus, and by most Holy Spirit, help us to remember, no, help us to know that the plans you have for us are good, kind, benevolent. Forgive us when we turn toward the sin of blaming you for our misfortunes, our mistakes, and our bad judgments. Your timing and your ways are always perfect, Jesus. But sometimes in our tunnel vision as humans, we can't see it or understand it. Increase our wisdom and strength, God, to trust you with all our hearts and to enjoy the present moment in our circumstances. You died for us, Jesus, for the glory of God. Why would we think you would love us any less today? Thank you, Lord, for listening to our humble words and for teaching us the Lord's Prayer that we say together now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
life pour out like sweet and good red wine. And time will tell your story. We will listen once again. Your heart will have its moment. Leave God's sign on the forehead of a friend. Lord, make his face shine down upon you. The sun rise up to meet you on your way. Giving and for growing be the way you know your soul. For a life filled with love will never never end. Hey, it's David here with Student Ministries, and we're super excited to invite everybody out to the Cookout and Karaoke event at Tito Retreat and Farm on August 27th from 5 to 8 p.m. This isn't just some student ministries event. This is actually an outreach event, so we encourage you to invite your friends, your family. Uh, we just want to get the community out and have a great time. We're going to be serving street tacos. We're going to have uh, fundraising opportunities where you can have themed uh, karaoke's like 70s or mom and dad duets. It's going to be awesome. Uh, for those of you who missed the caricature artist and the face painter at the Back to School Bash, they'll be back out there for the cookout and karaoke at Teeter event. So we encourage you to invite your friends and family and just come on out, have a great time, eat some street tacos and enjoy some fellowship with one another as we move into the fall seasons. Hope to see you out there August 27th from 5 to 8 p.m. at Teeter. God bless. Notice he did not say hi the pastor this time. <laughs> you lucked out, Nicole. <laughs> We thank you for all of your support that make these outreach events and fellowship events and all the things that we do to reach our community here and have fellowship together here at Noblesville First. And so at this time, we invite you to think about your heart of generosity and ways that we will continue to give to make this church what it is in our community. Let's ask God's blessing upon our gifts this morning. Lord, we give you thanks for so many ways that you give to us. So in this moment, open our hearts to give something back to you. Whether it is the gift of ourselves or our time, the way that we pray for this church and our community and one another, our financial gifts, our talents, the ways that we use our hands and feet in service to Jesus Christ. Bless each and every gift that will come before you this day and in the days to come and multiply them, that your kingdom will be made real right here, right now. This we ask in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.
you may be seated as together we share in our unison prayer, which prepares our hearts to receive God's message to us today. Let us pray together. O oh Lord, speak to us again through the teaching of Scripture. Challenge us and comfort us with the presence of your Holy Spirit, so that we are assured of your love and inspired to follow Jesus, your living word. Amen. Today we continue a series that we started last week called Great Expectations where we will be looking over the next several weeks of stories where people were expecting something from God. And last week, God's people were expecting a message, a message that surprised them, where even in exile, God called them to share with their community that he was their God, and that they were blessed, and that God loved and cared about them, so much so, that they were called to shout it from the mountaintop. But this week, we pick back up with those exiles many years later in the prophet Jeremiah's writings. We turn to chapter 29, verse 11 through 13, where we hear about a different expectation. Let's turn there now and hear God's word for us today. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now, I am 14 days in, so this is starting to feel like home to me. And I'd like to share with you a tradition from my home church that I would share every time I got up to preach. So here goes it. In order to do this, you're going to have to turn to your neighbor and speak to them. That might be hard for some of us, depending on the ride in. I don't know. But I want you to just humor me today. So turn to your neighbor and say this, neighbor, oh neighbor. Don't whisper in my ear. Don't pass me any notes. Don't poke me. Don't hunch me. It's time for the word. I need the word. You need the word. I can talk to you later. Amen. I'm going to preach this morning on the theme, God's plan. God's plan. Al, have you ever had one of those days that went perfectly according to plan? Where you walked outside and the weather was exactly what the forecast predicted? Where you got into your car and merged into traffic and someone remembered that this is not the Indy 500 and allowed you to go into the lane? where you were driving through the Starbucks drive through line, come up to the window and the barista tells you, no worries, the car in front of you has already paid for your order. Where you arrive at work and that coworker who had been tap dancing on your last nerve announces to the entire office that they are going on vacation for two weeks. 
Or this, where your child calls you on the way home, not because they want money or something else, but simply because they want to know how you're doing. Have you ever had one of those perfectly planned days? Yeah, me either. (laughs) Or if you have, God bless you, I think. Uh, I may or may not be hatefully wishing that you have a different kind of day tomorrow. Because here's the truth. While most of us make plans, we write long to-do lists, and we schedule down to the minute, life rarely goes according to plan. Well-planned commutes can still lead to accidents. Well-raised children can still make harmful choices, and annoying co-workers never go on vacation. You see, in the midst of chaos and uncertainty, we don't just wonder about our commutes or our coffee. We wonder about our faith. Does God really have a plan? What are those plans? Not just for us, but for our church and our community. We ask those questions today as God's people were asking them in the 29th chapter of Jeremiah. And in last week's message, we met them on a mountaintop, but that's not where the story began. It began in Egypt, where God's people were enslaved, and they cried out to God for liberation and deliverance, and God answered them. God sent them a leader that parted the Red Seas and led them through the wilderness. God provided manna day and night to nourish them. And then God led them to a promised land, a land that was literally flowing with milk and honey. And God established a covenant for them to live righteously and with justice in this promised land. But the people had plans of their own. Ever make your own plans? They planned to live the way they wanted to live. They ignored God's prophets. They didn't live according to the commandments or the covenant. And finally, they had to live with the consequences of their sin. God allowed them to be taken into exile, first to Egypt and then to Babylon. And now, many years later, they are wondering what's next. Does God have a plan for them after they completely messed it all up? That's a question you may be wondering too. You see, many of us have been taught that if we follow the rules, then we'll receive the reward. If we don't get it wrong, if if we stay on the straight and narrow path, then and only then will God's plan and promises come to pass. Yet this scripture reminds us that God's plan is not being offered to perfect people. It's being offered to people who didn't get it right, not once, not twice, not even three times. But people who over and over and over rejected God's plan. And yet that's the first lesson that we learn from this text today. That God's plan is not dependent on our perfection. God knows who we are. I mean, who we really are. 
God knows we make mistakes. God knows we'll get it wrong way more times than we will ever get it right. And yet, a perfect God chooses to plan for an imperfect people. Now, if you're wondering what that practically looks like, I want to invite you to pull up a chair as my family eats dinner at a restaurant with my then two-year-old and one-year-old children, Joshua and Olivia. Now, when my children were little, like most parents, I believe that until their birth, God had never made more beautiful, angelic, and perfect little babies. People would literally stop me wherever I was with them just just to tickle their tummies or weirdly say that they were going to eat them or peach their cheeks, right? They were so cute. Not so much anymore, but then they were so cute. But every time that we took them to a restaurant and sat down to eat, we'd have a bit of a a standoff with the waitstaff. Before they would bring a booster seat, I would put this plastic mat under each of their chairs. And then I would zip them up in a full body bib from their neck all the way to their knees. Now, the waitstaff would see me doing this, looks, looking like an HVAC protocol, and they would say, oh, oh you don't have to do all that. Th- those are little angels. What kind of mess could they possibly make? And I would smile, and I would nod, and I would zip up that full body bib all the way to their neck because they may have looked like angels, but they ate like gorillas. Gorillas who had been uh, in a cage for three months and this was their first meal out of captivity. And because I knew who they were, because I knew how messy they could become, I made a plan. I knew that I would be the one stuck cleaning up everything, but I wanted to be with them anyway. I knew they would make a total disaster of that table, but I wanted to be with them anyway. And so I made a plan. A plan not based on them behaving perfectly, but on a parent's persistent love. And isn't that how God plans for us? God knows who we are. God knows the mess that we will make before we know we're going to make the mess. God knows the havoc that we will wreak in our decisions, in our relationships, and that God will be left with all of the cleanup of our sins. And yet this God wants to be with us anyway. This God wants to share in our messy and imperfect lives. And so a perfect God makes a plan for imperfect people like us. Now, Pastor Jill, if this scripture simply said, God has a plan for imperfect people, then you could sing Kumbaya and we could all go home. Because that's good news all by itself. But the text doesn't simply say that God has a plan. The text says that God knows the plan. Are you still with me? Because having and knowing a plan are two very different things. God knows the plan, but guess who doesn't? Me, you, you, all of us, and 
the exiled children of Israel. You see, the second lesson that we learn from this scripture is that God's plans may not require our perfection, but they will require our trust. God does not give the children of Israel this detailed itinerary of where they'll go, what they'll face, and what will happen next. And God doesn't give us one either. God simply says, I know the plan. Because you see, trusting God's plan is not a matter of knowing what God is doing, but knowing who God is. You see, this is not God's first plan for these people. God planned for their freedom in Egypt when they were slaves. God planned for their provision as they wandered in the wilderness. God planned for their forgiveness when they worshipped idols. And God planned for their victory when they walked into the promised land. And now, as God offers a new plan, they don't have any idea of the details. But they have an idea of God. They can look back over their journey and know that God is faithful. God is a provider. God will never leave or forsake us. And they're not the only ones. Each of us here are products of God's plan. Plans that we didn't know. Plans that we couldn't guess. But plans that showed us who God is. And so perhaps... The question for us today is not, do we know God's plan? But do we trust God enough to follow it? Is our faith based on knowing all of the details? Or simply trusting in who God is? If you're not sure how to answer that question, let me offer you one more reason that you can trust in God and God's plan. And that is that God's plan is always to prosper us and not to harm us. Now, if you're like me and you read that phrase, it may give you a bit of pause. Because anytime someone tells you this is not going to hurt or harm you, it's almost certainly an indication that it will. It reminds me of taking my daughter Isabella to get her kindergarten vaccinations just a few weeks back. And this nurse patiently telling her, don't worry, sweetheart, this isn't going to hurt. Now, she's only five, but she was intuitive enough to ask, then what's the big needle in your hand for? (laughs) And isn't that the question that we all have for God? What's it for? If you're not trying to harm us, Lord, what's this grief for? What's this loss for? What's this suffering for? What is this pain for, God? And if you hear nothing else today, hear this. It's not to harm you, but it may hurt. You see, Isabella sat on that doctor's office table and she began to tense up. Tears were flowing from her eyes, and she did not want to feel that shot in her arm. 
But the nurse looked at her and said, you will feel this a little bit today and maybe even more tomorrow. But because of the pain that you endure today, you'll be stronger tomorrow. Now, I know what you're thinking, that the prick of a needle is nothing compared to the pain that you may be carrying. The pain of grief or suffering or loss or illness. And you're wondering, can God really prosper this pain? Well, Cynthia Jones would say yes. She asked herself the same question and shared this story at a Difference Makers conference where I met her 10 or so years ago. She talked about how she grew up in the church, a church just like this, where she went every single Sunday. She never missed Bible study, and she served in all of the mission ministries. She was a model Christian. She met her husband on the second pew. They married, and they hoped to start a family. And for years they tried, but they couldn't conceive. They asked for the congregation to pray for them until one day they were blessed with a child. They named that child Samuel, like Hannah's child that she had prayed for and that God had blessed her with. And Cynthia and her husband spent the next several years raising their son up in church. He didn't miss a youth group meeting. He didn't miss a mission trip. And they saved every penny they had so that he could go to college. A privilege that Cynthia or her husband had not experienced. They took him to freshman orientation and expected that four years later, they would come back to that same place and watch him walk across the stage. But they came back four months later under very different circumstances. Samuel had gone to a party, been introduced to drugs, and gotten addicted. His habit became so formidable that he started to steal money from his campus job to feed it. When that wasn't enough, he started stealing from some of his dorm mates until he was found out. He was kicked out of school, He was charged, and he was taken to jail. And Cynthia couldn't understand it. She had lived according to God's plan, and now this pain, this excruciating pain and grief over the decision her child had made was threatening her faith. She thought, God has abandoned me, so I'll abandon God. That is until she saw just out of the corner of her eye her opened Bible on the table to Jeremiah 29, verse 11 through 13. And that phrase, not to harm you, to prosper you, jumped off of the page. She wondered, does God plan to prosper me too? Can God use what's happened not to harm me, but to prosper me too? 
That's a question that she asked of her pastor. That's a question that she asked of other parents in her congregation. When she started an organization that's now called Hannah's Circle, a support group for other parents who have children that are struggling with addiction. And their first meeting, a handful of folks showed up. But then their next meeting, there were about 30 folks. Then 70. Then they outgrew the fellowship hall. Then they started other chapters across the country. And she began to see that this was not just a scripture written in a book. This was an invitation from God to prove it in our lives. God wanted to show her that no matter what you go through, it may hurt, but it won't harm you. Because my plan is always to prosper you. And I don't know what pain or challenge or difficulty you may be going through today. But I want you to hear God's word to the exiles and to us who may feel exiled by pain. It's not going to harm you. God will use it to prosper you. The pain that you feel today, it will make you stronger tomorrow. The loss that you feel today will help you find faith tomorrow. The fear that you feel today will help you find peace tomorrow. Because even if it hurts, God's plan is always, always, always to prosper us. And so as we come to the close of our message, I want to answer a question that's been posed to me over the last 14 days. And as your new pastor, many of you have been asking, what's the plan? What's next? Where is God taking us as a community of faith? And that's a good question. But like the exiles here, I don't know all the details yet. I think God tells you on day 16. I'll let you know. (laughs) But here's what I do know. In every journey where God has graced me to go, The church and the people have prospered. Now let me be clear. That doesn't mean that everything went perfectly. And that doesn't mean that I'm an especially gifted pastor. Not at all. I could preach an entire set of sermon series on my mistakes, my missteps, and my fumbles. You like that? It's a football term. You're welcome. (laughs) But here's what I've learned. No matter where God has sent me, and God has sent me to urban congregations and suburban congregations. I've preached in Baptist churches, Presbyterian churches, Methodist churches, Unitarian churches, Disciples of Christ, AME, Evangelical, non-denominational, and even a Catholic retreat. I've led predominantly black congregations, predominantly white congregations, and multicultural ministries. I've lived in four states, I've served in four countries, and I've gotten food poisoning in two. (laughs) I have started ministries, I have stopped ministries, and I've started ministries that I wish I stopped. (laughs) But here's what I've discovered. That no matter the place, no matter the people, or even the pastor, God's plan doesn't change. God is going to use all that we are 
all that we are not, all of our joys and our gifts and even our places of pain to prosper our church and our community. That's God's plan. And now, the only question that remains is will you follow it with me? Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we are grateful for the plan that you have for us, for our church and our community. You see our imperfection, and yet out of perfect love, you plan to prosper us and give us a future with hope. Remind us today of that hopeful future. Give us discerning hearts and willing spirits to seek you as you order every step, every decision, every worship service and ministry. Give us strength to endure the hurt that might be a part of the process. May it strengthen us to better serve you and one another. May we leave here confident and assured that your plan is written in love, carried out in grace, and shared in unspeakable joy. All these things we ask in the name of our Savior, Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. As we prepare to leave this place, I want to share with you what happened at our 815 service. After we shared the message, one of our congregants popped up and said, I feel moved to just share how God's plan is working in my life. And she talked about how a family that had just moved into the apartments, a family with five children and very little resources had been placed on her heart. 
And in 10 days, she was able to help them secure a vehicle, food, and other resources. Now, why do I share that with you? Not because I want you to do that next service. Again, I repeat, I do not want you to do that. But here's what I want you to do. She lived the sermon. She didn't just hear it. She was asking God, what is your plan? Here I am. Write me into it. And so that's the invitation that God has for you this week. Where is God calling you to be the hands and feet of Christ? May you find it. May you live into it. And may someone else be prospered because of it. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, let us go in peace to live God's plan together. Amen. Amen.